Russell's Reserve, aged tenure, dipped in gold. How are you? I love gold. Gold is amazing. Um, I'm I'm doing so well. Kyle, it's day two of the FIFA World Cup. This is this is my time of the year, buddy. This is my this is everything I live for. I love it. We got I, massive intrigue today. It's very exciting. I bet you didn't know that I was a World Cup guy. Wow. How about that? That's that's good. I'm a big sporting that's event good. guy. I'm an Olympics guy. I'm a World Cup guy. I'm a uh, what else? I guess that's. I'm, guess a, that's I'm, I'm a, not a World I'm Baseball a, Classic guy. The World Baseball no, Classic the World Baseball sucks. Classic is one of the stupidest things. <laughs> it's, it really no, is. That's just. It really is. Just, that was dumb. The first year was cool. Like the first year when people actually cared about it, that that was okay. And ever since, it's just been like total garbage. Yeah. But. That's fine. Yeah. Major Major League Baseball and uh and the NHL. I feel like baseball the new com- Rob Manfred is doing a a better job about moving the game forward, but I, I feel like I feel like Selick and uh over the last several years and um Gary I, I don't understand why people consider Gary Bettman a good per- commissioner. I'm sure there are they things don't. behind No. Whoa. Well, Whoa. But Whoa. there are Have there are industry people who what? behind no, seriously. Oh, maybe industry people, not fans. Yeah, fans and I'm sure behind the scenes, you know, CBA, like he keeps, you know, strife is, I guess, somewhat down with him. Although they, you know, they've had a couple of lockouts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's somehow viewed in the industry as a good commissioner, and I just don't get it. For example, we're going to talk today about um, sports betting, and, and it's going to be a lot of the show. So if it's not something you're into, then uh, I'm sorry. Um, but there's there's also not Love much you. going on. There's also not much going on Stop right now. Stop saying that. Oh, every time you say that, we get we get slaughtered with that that line. It's fine. There's a lot going on. It's just there's not. There's not. There's not. <laughs> there's not. It, it, people get slaughtered all they want. It's the middle of the off season for three of the teams. Um, certain things are happening, like OTAs, which I, I I've never been an OTA guy I ever. I think the people who follow play by play OTAs need to get out more. Quite frankly, um, the Eagles they get the rings. That's cool. The rings are awesome, but they're really neat. We talk about discussable topics. I'm not sure uh, other uh, than yes, just the, describing it. I would just point of, you to crossingbroad.com to go see which it. Which is the, the combination of the three players who touched the football on Philly special. I mean, it's yeah. cool. I like, like that they yeah, got we all we got we all we need. Um, I like the, that they have family. Underdog, the underdog is uh, is on the inside of the oh, ring. I did not catch that. Oh yeah, it's on the inside. That's why. I mean, I, I haven't seen I a enjoy the yet, score, but, but yeah, like it's it's cool. This is the thing that I don't get, right? Like when anytime you say there's not a lot to talk about, and people are like, "Well, you know, like, how do you think the sports radio people do?" It's like, well, okay, the sports radio people take a lot of calls. They throw out hypotheticals about you know which Eagles player is going to be the starter, and that's fine. Like if if you're into that kind of thing, like you can listen to it. But like for me, I'm all in on NBA off season. I'm all in on the NBA draft. I did the post yesterday about Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs. Um, like that, that to me is still paramount. I mean, we're a week away from that draft. We're a week away from the NHL draft where, where Anthony and I, um, this past week on Snow the Goalie, uh, we dropped it in this channel, but like where we did the interview with Ron Hextall, 22 minute exclusive. Like, I, I think that kind of stuff is still more important to me than, you know, talking about which late round draft pick or undrafted guy is going to make the team as like 
an outside cornerback to be like third on the depth chart. Like, that's just not my thing. And, you know, that was the thing a year ago when Adam was here and he liked doing the breakdowns of that stuff. Like, that's cool. And like, maybe we'll bring him in over the summer as we get closer to training camp or closer to Eagle season because that's, that's his forte. But like, to me, there's no intrigue. I don't know why people are so excited about it. And since they don't do training camp in Lehigh anymore, like, I just don't understand. I've never understood it. Um, but there's, well, there's and, so much. And, and look, and, hold on. It's not. It's not even training camp. I'm not. I'm not against uh, breaking down the roster stuff by any stretch. I just think doing it at OTAs is, is uh, you know, it's, it's it's a little early. A little early for me. And yeah. I think most of our audience agrees. Um, really quick before before we move on to uh, the gambling stuff, um, World Cup stuff. So if anybody is going to be watching the World Cup and you don't know Jack Diddley about uh, soccer or about like which teams have a shot, uh, Phil Kaidel and I over on Crossing Broad FC, one of the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, we did a, um, a World Cup preview show where we broke down each group, kind of gave an idea of which teams are probably going to get out. Uh, we didn't hit the direct like sports gambling ties but we did give a decent idea of which teams are going to get out of the group so if you're looking to throw some money down on teams getting out fill throughout uh one very wild prediction that i would not put money on but other Who than is that, that is it uruguay no he said south korea so the the group that has mexico in it um we've kind of called a, a group of death and uh it, I, like i just i don't see a way that South Korea gets out of their group, but he, he is a firm believer that Mexico isn't going to win a single game in their group. They're going to get slaughtered by the Germans, which we know the Germans are probably going to, I think they're, they're going and to. And you can hear all that over on the crossing broad FC yeah. podcast. Yeah. Okay. It's exciting though. Um, today. We got, we got Ronaldo and against Spain today. Like that's cool. It's a good oh, I'm, Look, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm not making fun of the world cup. I'm all in. It sucks. The U S isn't in it. Cause I feel like that adds to it, but it being here in eight years from now i think we'll i know hey it'll save soccer soccer's doing fine just here um but i i I think that's cool i wish we would have gotten it either this time around or next time if uh fifa wasn't totally corrupt and uh bill clinton wasn't seated in the second row behind uh was behind the where's it at next time it's in qatar Oh, yeah, if he, uh, was, he was seated behind Alleg- the Qataris, you knew the U.S. was not getting that when Bill Clinton couldn't even get a first-row seat at the announcement in 2010. Yeah, I mean, the the Qatar World Cup is still kind of up in the air because they have to move it to winter. It's too hot in the summer, as if they didn't know this already. They're going to have to move it to the winter, and because of human rights violations that like ESPN kind of uncovered, like I think it was a year ago, there there's a lot of scrutiny on, on that whole planning phase. And I, I was saying that like England and France are probably you know, ready to send in an emergency bid, kind of a unified thing like the U.S. did. On a positive note for the U.S., they'll actually qualify in 2026 because not only are they one of the three host teams, but they're expanding the field to 48 teams. So, you know, it's good. Nice automatic Uh, bid. Anyway. Yeah. Gambling. So, yeah. So we were, well, we were talking about Batman. And the reason I brought transition here, um, there, so I I went, Bob and I went to this, uh, uh, it's called the East Coast Gaming Congress in Atlantic City this week. Uh, it's the big industry conference for, excuse me, allergies, uh, for the gambling industry on the East Coast. Um, it was at Harris. Uh, I will note that the Harris, uh, one of the bars in Harris has one of the best liquor selections I've ever seen in person. And it's not like one of the fancy like nightclub. It's just like the corner bar in the casino 
I'm talking like three expressions of Pappy, the expensive Michters. Like if you're into whiskey, go there. Don't get a pour because it's $400 a pour, but they have like seriously impressive whiskey selection. What do you mean 400 a pour? Like for Pappy, a two-ounce pour was 400, 400 or 450 for the Pappy 23. Yeah, it's insane. There's a place that the Goat's Beard and Maniunk had it for 150 bucks. It seems like a downright bargain uh, compared to the casino. The bartender oh said, God. he said, most people don't actually buy this. It's almost all comps, uh, you know, high rollers using their comps when they, they get that stuff. But they had a bottle of Michter's, which is, I, I think it's like a $1,000 bottle, like street, uh, not even street price, like MSRP. Um, I, I, it's seriously one of the craziest liquor selections I've seen. Um and, you know, they have a lot of normal stuff, too, and a, and a range, everything in between. So uh, well worth it. The, the poor prices on the regular stuff are reasonable, like, you know, 10 to 20 bucks um, for the regular good stuff. Uh, anyway, so that's... I'm exciting. looking at the bottles right now because I, I was saying to you on the phone, and I don't know if anybody's ever run into this situation before, but when my parents moved, my dad had a very extensive liquor selection, and... I stupidly didn't understand that, you know, if a bottle's been open for 25 years, it's probably maybe okay. And we got rid of a lot of his stuff. And I'm looking to see if I threw out a bottle that could have, you know, fetched a ridiculous amount of money per pour. I'm looking at these bottles right now, and I don't recognize any of them. Actually, no. This old Rip Van Winkle. Van Winkle what's that? Also that very a- good. They had a 25-year-old oh. Rip Van Winkle, which is also highly expensive. It's Yeah, the, that the might have sister. been it. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you're not doing individual pours because you're not, you yeah, don't I know, have a but, bar license. But, but I'm if you had the bottle you sealed, you could have oh, yeah, sold that. Sealed. It was definitely open. Semi-legally, but whatever. Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, don't forget, I'm from Pottsville. You know, good old good old moonshine cap. Not really. The uh, What do they call it? The hooch, right? When it was uh, when it was banned during Prohibition, wink, wink. Moonshine, anyway. uh, the clear white dog. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Bob and Yingling. I went to Good, yeah. went to uh, Harris on Wednesday. Uh, it was the conference Wednesday and Thursday. I was there both days. Uh, really, just wanted to learn um, a lot about what's going on in the gambling space. Um, you know, both from a content standpoint and from you know potential advertising uh, for the site. PA, New Jersey, and Delaware are. Uh, we've talked about this. Philly is kind of uniquely positioned because the first three states to follow Nevada. Obviously, Delaware is one. New Jersey is two. Pennsylvania could be three if they get their uh, their taxes in order and don't try and charge a ten million dollar sign up fee plus thirty four percent taxes uh, to the the gambling operators. Um, so Philly's kind of in a unique spot. So I thought it'd be good to learn some stuff. And one of the things that came up there was uh, they said more people last year bet. I guess it was in the U.S. legally and illegally, or just in Nevada. More people bet on esports than the NHL. So, That's, way to go, Gary Bettman. Wow. If, if, if ever you just need, like, once a month you come across this, like, anecdotal bit of information, this is the why Gary Bettman sucks, and that was that was mine for June. Um, and I always go back to 2006 or seven when they played their all-star game on, a, like, a Tuesday night I on know. Versus. I'm not going to defend um, Gary Bettman, but but the, the movement, the expansion to Vegas is going to go down as one of the, the greatest all-time gets by an NHL commissioner. Right, but, and this is why yeah, people like, might he, consider he him so, a good commissioner because he was able side. to get it done. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's not some stroke of genius to put a team in in Las Vegas. Like this is a popular notion. He just happened to be the first one to be like, "Yeah, fuck it, why not?" Like, you know, I don't know. 
Um, so yeah, we were at this thing. Uh, we learned a lot. Um, I, you know, we could kind of, I'm not even sure where to begin. They also, this also happened to coincide. I think this was mostly coincidentally. Um, although the governor who signed the bill into law on Monday morning was speaking in Atlantic City yesterday uh, at the convention. And he was able to go from Monmouth Park placing a bet over the convention over to, to the Borgata. So maybe there was a little bit of um, not so um, coincidental timing in that regard. But um, the Borgata Sportsbook Open, it's the second one after Monmouth Park. I think I placed Russell. I think I was bet number three or four at the Borgata. Uh, I'll, I'll explain through that story uh, but really interesting stuff and the future people keep asking is this going to be mobile how's this going to differ from the black market um the answer is definitely yes and hopefully a lot uh and these are things it seems like the industry really knows like this isn't about in-person sports books the growth area is unquestionably mobile real-time and prop betting and and they understand that there's a you know, there's 150 billion wagered on sports in the U.S. every year. Three billion of that is in Nevada. The other 147 billion is illegally, either through bookies or um, through the offshore sites. So there's a big market to take over into the legal space, and um, I think you know that that's the goal is to get it. Uh, get you playing on the regulated sites and bring in mainstream people. You're going to see commercials. You're going to see more, you know, entertainment style betting, like in-game prop bets, smaller five, $10 prop bets, stuff like that. Um, it's, I think it's going to be become much more mainstream. So the market would probably grow. So yeah, interesting stuff, a lot to talk about. I'm not sure, um, you know, what or where, you know, you want to start, but gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm still you trying know, to get over the fact the esports thing is interesting. Right, I'm not surprised that not a lot of people are throwing down money on hockey. And if if we use this past year as any kind of a, an indicator, this is I, I think Anthony and I have talked about like this is or was I guess one of the hardest seasons to try to make heads or tails of of the NHL, even through the playoffs. Like typically, where people would throw down a lot of money because it feels like you can you can really figure out which four teams are going to end up making the conference finals. This year was a mess. I mean, like nobody. I don't want to. Uh, okay, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail here, but like, you could not have paid me enough money to uh, throw down even like a hundred bucks on Washington to even make the Stanley Cup final, let alone win the whole thing, or Vegas to make the Stanley Cup final. Vegas to even make the playoffs. So you know, I I guess the NHL like maybe maybe a lot of it is people not being totally familiar with the sport, and then they're not really being a distinct favorite coming out of either conference. Um, and especially as you started to see some really just strange results happening early in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. I, I wasn't there, so I, I don't know what the money was or, or how specific they got. But, but I mean, that's not how you bet on sport. I mean, you don't. it's not about just picking the favor because if, yeah, if you want, you you want know. confidence, right? Like, even well, if it's, yet, even if you're but, not the even if you're not the favorite, like you want to be able to see that there's something worth putting money on an underdog. Right. And, you know, this NH, what I'm saying is like this NHL season, like there there was never there really weren't enough definitive underdogs that you could kind of throw money onto or favorites that you could try to ride so well, i, I don't know the esports a... thing is cool i i'm very surprised by it but i'm wondering like how do you bet on esports like if you're watching an overwatch match like is is this like i i, I just don't get it uh, uh so i'm i'm not the esports expert by any stretch um 
I think you better not like you in normal sports. I mean, whether it is, I think the big future they actually think is is direct player to player betting, where you're actually having two players on opposite consoles actually putting up money against each other, like actually direct like stakes games. Um, that's really interesting. Um, but in terms of people just betting on it, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the particulars of some of those games and <coughs> excuse me, I don't know the particulars of some of those games, but I'm sure it's no different than sports. They're defined actions that you could bet on what's going to happen next and, and all that stuff. So I, I wouldn't, um, you know, I, I, I would think there's a, you know, there's a pretty easy way to do it. Um, it, it you know, people, the younger generation, I don't want to say millennials because the people at this gambling thing talk about millennials like they're fucking unicorns. Like we don't, you know, just like some breed of, of species they've never seen. Most of the people there are um, uh, older, uh, maybe not quite like full on baby boomer, but uh, late Gen X baby boomer is the sort of person you would expect to see at the casino convention uh, in a like needlessly slick suit uh, with potentially needlessly slick hair. But I, what I will say, and you brought up the the addiction thing, uh, and then we're talking about millennials. First and foremost, they do talk about millennials like, hey, how do we get this person? What does this person do? And I think the reason esports is popular, uh, from even just from a betting standpoint, is you know people who are younger are used to paying for things online, are used to making small microtransactions. Almost every video game now has some level of five dollars for this token pack, five dollars for this skin, you know, whatever it is. And I think that sort of like impulsive on your phone, whatever, hell, you have buy five dollars, do this thing. Like that's going to be the real time gambling future where you're watching a game and you got the Phillies game on and Arietta comes out for the seventh and up on your phone might pop. Is he going to finish this inning minus, uh, you know, we'll give you plus 250. If he's got 100 pitches, you could put up, you know, a dollar to win 250. That sort of thing. And like, I think younger people are, are um, more comfortable with those sorts of transactions. So I think when it comes to esports, there's just so many opportunities. Like the, the thing with sports betting is it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be the Sunday night football game. It could be any event. You can, <laughs> the for better or worse, any event, the action can be interesting for any event. So you take esports and think about the sheer volume of events that are possible. There's really no limit on how many events they can put out and stream. They don't all need to be on TV and all of that. That creates so many opportunities for this, and it it, it makes it much more interactive experience. So I think that's why it's it's popular. And, I mean, there's a definite people in our comments always write, you know, joke that esports is e the future, the but future. it is um, in, in some ways. It's not like taking over sports, but probably going to be more popular than hockey. The fact that more people are betting on it, uh, is is says a lot, um, and the other thing is, uh, you had mentioned uh, like the addiction thing, and I was actually relatively surprised. At least the people who were on the panels here, and by the way, this was like a who's who in the sports betting world. It was just some people that were there. The CEO of William Hill, which is like the biggest sports book in Nevada, um, the chairman and the president of the American Gaming Association. Uh, the governor, um, countless uh, like top executives from some of the gambling tech companies, 
Um, you know, SB Tech, the CEO of that, he gave the keynote. They are like one of the leading tech companies that make the technology upon which like sports books. There are some guys from from Britain who are execs in, um, you know, I think some of the apps we'll start seeing over here. Uh, the top regulator from both New Jersey and Pennsylvania, I actually talked to the woman from PA. Um, I mean, this is literally the person in charge of approving casino licenses and all of that. And um, I would say all of those people and some casino executives, all of those people were much more moral than I would have expected to find uh, on a stage at a gambling convention. They all talked about the need for doing it responsibly. And they mentioned specifically the guy from William Hill, who, by the way, runs the biggest sports book in Nevada, and they're, they're poised to be the biggest in New Jersey soon. They were the ones who opened at Monmouth Park. He said, uh, "He said, like you know, we have two things. We have a moral obligation to not, you know, let people fall down a dark hole. Like most people view our product as entertainment, but some subset of people will become addicted and it will become a problem. And we have to be aware of that. And we have to work with companies that, um, you know, help, you know, help those people. Gamblers Anonymous. There's there's other ones. There was actually a booth there." from a company that did this, and they were very much working hand in hand. Last night on the local news, I saw the news tried to spin that booth as, you know, uh, opponents of gambling, which, you know, that wasn't really the case. They were there kind of working hand in hand. Um, The other part of it is, like, if we don't do this, the government will. So think about what happened with fantasy sports a few years ago. They're advertising these million-dollar payouts, and it's kind of fool's gold to go chasing after those because they're very, you know, very difficult, nearly impossible to win for the average Joe. And they're advertising all this stuff, and then it gets the attention of Congress because, oh, holy shit, like, you know, where's all this money coming from? And then Daily Fantasy ran into this little pothole, and then they became illegal in some states and legal in others. And the gambling industry, I think, is smart enough to know that they can't be that aggressive and I don't want to say reckless, but like just totally like total disregard for anything and like short term money grabs. Uh, Because if, if, if regulators come along, after the fact and make their lives more difficult, that's not a good thing either. So it's actually bad for business to just, um, you know, blatantly try and hook in everyone and milk every person, you know, out of their, you know, fleece them of their hat and coat. Um, so I, I found that part interesting. There's just so much that you're you're covering that I half the time it's like you're speaking Greek. But, the, I, but these are just common print. I mean, uh, this ha- that has little to do with sports. You know, like the the uh, particulars of actually betting on sports. I mean, this is just sort of the the industry philosophy on how they're going about certain things. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, My long-held to... hope, I, I mean, like we had yeah. talked about, I think it was like two weeks ago, about, you know, the presence or the possibility of, of the state taking over the online gambling. And that, that would be uh, catastrophic, right? Like that would be... Probably the worst thing um, that could possibly happen. I mean, the the way the that state taking it over. Yeah, because like the uh, the way that our state kind of our commonwealth uh, likes to you know use archaic laws, uh, see beer and liquor licenses. Um, the idea that like the state could potentially try to you know take hold of this or try to regulate it to a, a point where like there's the official Pennsylvania gambling app and they have a hand in it. I mean. I can't imagine that it would be built well. I can't imagine that it would function well. And then I would, I would, you know, end up expecting that um, you wouldn't be able to place all the kinds of bets you want. Like it wouldn't be an intuitive process. 
So like when we've talked in the past about like the importance of being able to to wager on an event live, right? And we talked about yep. the fact that so many of the streaming services are on, what is it, a six second delay or nine second delay, depending on, on the event. Um, you know, it, it kind of creates a, a competitive imbalance. And if the app that's being developed or whatever, and if it's by the state or whatever, if it's not built well, and there's a lag on uh, on the app itself, and people start finding themselves in a spot where they try to place an immediate bet, like let's say, um, and I, I don't know how realistic this will be, but like Vince Velasquez is up in the seventh inning. Very and, realistic, by the and, way. And, well, seventh inning is you know hit or miss, but that is was true. yesterday, so... Um, but like, let's imagine that Vince Velasquez has a guy down in account like O2, and you're able to on you know whatever app, it, it, maybe like Borgata throws out their own app, right? And Borgata's app is is very well designed, and you can place a, a wager on what kind of pitch Velasquez is gonna throw, right? Is he gonna is he gonna throw a twelve to six curve? Got it. And and like, let's imagine that that app is done very well, and you're able to throw that that money down, right? And everything's fine. And then at some point, the state kind of butts in and says, nay, 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 nobody's allowed to have an app except for us, right? So, you know, you fast forward a month or two, Pennsylvania takes over. They've got the official Pennsylvania gambling app. You go to place the same bet. You're watching the game on YouTube TV or on some kind of streaming service. You're already a little bit behind the eight ball because you're on a delay. And then you go to submit. Let's assume that they even have full functionality. They have all the same features. You go to place that same wager on uh, Aaron Nola down in account, uh, I don't know, like behind in the count three, two, and you try to place that wager and it just gives you the, uh, rotating wheel of death and you can't place that wager and you would have won some money, but instead the whole thing gets bogged down. Like that to me is kind of the catastrophic way that, you know, the state can get involved and kind of screw up the fun of sports gambling for people. I just so hope it doesn't happen. So I actually, so you touched on uh, a couple of really good topics there. Um, yes. So yeah, seriously. Uh, let me. So let me unpack this kind of in reverse order. Um, the premise of everything you just said is completely wrong, but the, okay. the individual points are right. So the state, there's there's not a situation where the state is just going to be the only place offering uh, gambling. No way, no how. They are. I mean, here. I mean, literally, the two people sitting there are the the people in charge of. Uh, gaming licensing for the two states are sitting there next to companies, uh, guys that run sports betting apps. It was a really interesting panel. Um, the states are well aware that the gambling industry does this much better than they ever could. So that is not a that is not something that is going to happen because this this is legalized is going to become legalized in states because they want the tax revenue. And if you're going to get the tax revenue. It means you actually have to have people playing, and it's got to be a compelling product. So the states are not going to be the only ones who offer gambling. That said, there is a definite component where state lotteries will, may, and will, and and probably are soon going to offer some sort of sports betting. Um, it might be different than what you just described, though. This, the lotteries really aren't set up for all the reasons you just described, the state, you know, the states don't have the technology or experience to do that sort of real-time betting, but you may see sports somehow incorporated into the lottery. Maybe it's long-term odds or something like that, or other inventive ways to play. There's a lot of wiggle room here, um, you know, to be a little bit creative. So states will be involved. They may offer their own lottery. Um, where they can really get in the way though, is not by creating a bad app. It's by creating 
too many right putting too many regulations or tax burdens uh, into place. And one of the the absolute, if I had to say there were two themes from this conference, it was the absolute focus on mobile, um, how it is in Europe, and how we have to, um, in the US, they have to take some of those learnings from Europe and create a more compelling product to compete with the black market sites here. That was the first takeaway. The second, without question, and maybe this is the first, was we have to push back on the states overtaxing us, overregulating us. And obviously any industry is going to do that, but there's really compelling reasons here. They threw so much shade at the state of Pennsylvania. They said it's the only state where there could potentially be sports gambling that the sports leagues have not come in and asked for that ridiculous 1% integrity fee, which they're not going to get pretty much anywhere. Um, The reason is, because Pennsylvania is already asking for so much money that they can't even, like, in good conscience, even ask for extra money. Pennsylvania is requiring operators right now. It's like a $10 million upfront charge, which is insane, <laughs> plus, like, 34% of revenues. And I don't know if that's—I guess that's net revenues. I don't think that's every dollar bet. It's, you know, the actual— revenue after after the winners are declared still that is like to compare that to new jersey i think in new jersey it's like 15 percent, and they put up a slide um and again you got to remember this is the gambling industries conference so you know they certainly have a a skewed view on this but they put up a slide and and they they know it should be taxed obviously um 10 to 15 percent based on study is where gambling should be taxed because that generates the most revenue for the state without keeping costs prohibitively high. Because what happens, this is why it's not just about, hey, we want to pay the states less money. It's about if there's a 34% tax rate, they have to charge higher VIGs. They have to have higher fees or um, less compelling bets for consumers to cover the cost of that. Otherwise, the casinos aren't making money. The apps aren't making money, which is, you know, obviously a pointless thing. I mean, they're in this to make money. Um, if those rates are too high and they pass it back on to the customer, they're well aware the customers already can go to fivedimes.eu or sportsbook.ag. Like, there's plenty of offshore sites. They know that the illegal market is thriving, and those sites don't have to pay taxes and deal with regulation because they're in Costa Rica, and in some cases, apparently, they're building their servers on boats and just driving them up the Atlantic soon. Um, true story, uh, or at least there's there's thought that that could happen. Um so the industry and states are aware that they have to make this compelling for the companies, which in turn makes the prices and products compelling for consumers. And because if they're not pulling that money away from the black market, then it's a total loss for the states because not only are they getting less money, they're getting almost no money at all. So they're shooting for that 10 to 15% tax rate, and Pennsylvania's at 34 right now. So that's where states can get in the way. They can create prohibitively high rates, and they can also create prohibitively like ridiculous regulations. And the theme here on mobile was we have to convince this, not even convince them, explain to them that the future, 70% of the bets in Europe are placed on mobile phones. Most of them are prop bets. They're not just like, hey, betting on the spread. You're betting on the sorts of things you described. What's this next pitch going to be? Or how many hits is Odubel Herrera going to have tonight? You know, those sorts of bets. And in Mississippi, where sports gambling is coming, 
they're not going to allow, I believe they're not going to allow online betting. In Delaware, it's coming, but it wasn't part of that initial wave. Um, and there's no specific plans to implement it in the future, although it will probably come. You know, they said the states have to realize this is a different time and era, and people's I, the idea of betting on sports is not one based in casino. It's one based on mobile phones. It just makes too much sense. So, can uh, cities uh, can cities require like could could they start to do like geo filters on it's all the apps? Based, yeah. and, what's that? State based, but go ahead. No, but I'm saying, but could could states kind of um, allow for cities to do something similar just based on location like is it is it possible why do you say cities because like i'm i'm thinking about like as a revenue stream specifically for a city so like no no this is all state-based it's never it's never going to be city-based this okay. is state regulated well, i'm just stuff. thinking like you know philadelphia could probably use the money at this point no it's this is you a know. state issue it's a, this is i mean this is a state issue supreme court ruled this is all state issues it okay. has nothing to do you saw with the you saw the report about philly right like philly philly in the audit Yes. Uh, but, Almost but, a billion dollars missing. All right, it's hold great. Before, hold. It's great. It's great. You, t- you talked about the geofencing. That's a big part of this. And that's one of the things they're trying to convince the states of. Like, we, they, the technology exists. One of the people who spoke is was the, I guess, the founder or the, the one of the, C, the COO of this company. that exclu- What they do is they do the geofencing technology for these apps. So it already exists. DraftKings uses it. I think Daily Fantasy is only legal in like 16 or 20 states. So when you play and it says, hey, what state are you in? We have to be allowed to use your um, uh, your GPS in your phone. You have to allow it. And if you don't, you can't play the app. That's because it's, it's checking to see whether you're actually in the state. So that 100% exists. And it's it's um, it's interesting because you know how there's sometimes a little bit of wiggle room in your GPS, depending on how good your signal is, right? Yeah. Um, they said in the state of, I forget what's, in Nevada. So they legalized sports gambling in Nevada. Uh, online, you can gamble. But they were having some, some years ago, I guess there was some issue with like getting exactitude in that geofencing. So they actually moved the borders of Nevada in like three miles on all sides. <laughs> so if you were in that no man's land, you probably wouldn't have been able to place a bet. But in Nevada, like almost no one lives along the borders. It's desert, right? So it didn't really matter. But they said that that wouldn't work for New Jersey because most of the population in New Jersey is located within five miles of Philadelphia and five miles of New York. That's significant amount of the New Jersey population. So they couldn't just like build in this like buffer zone. So, all right, let's move it in. And then this way we don't get any inaccurate readings in the GPS. They can't do that in New Jersey because you'd cut off like half the population. So, but this technology has come far enough that the geofencing is highly accurate. And there was another big push here, like geofencing, security, um, getting the credit card companies initially didn't want to be on board with online uh, poker and casino games in New Jersey, which have been legal for a few years because they thought there could be fraud. And they had to convince the industry that, hey, no, we regulate this stuff. Like we don't want fraud because it is very bad for us. And probably as good as any industry, the gambling industry is really good about detecting fraud, detecting um, abnormalities and betting patterns that could potentially, you know, indicate a situation where someone is throwing a game. And that's why they're so against these integrity fees that the sports leagues want to put into place. Because one, it's bullshit, and the sports leagues are just trying to get money. But the flip side of it is, is 
the gambling industry does not want fraud. It does not want games being skewed because that calls into question their entire product. And all the, oh, by the way, could cost them a significant amount of money if, if those tactics are successful. So they are very good about determining, you know, where there are outliers and spotting potential, um, you know, fraud or cheating or, or get people throwing games and all of that stuff. Um, they do want to work with the leagues. Like they know they need to work with the leagues, but they feel like, those relationships with the league should be based around this sort of live betting and they should be direct deals with the leagues to get accurate data so they can do in-game betting because think about that situation you just described about that Vince Velasquez curveball that 12 to 6 curveball um that's probably a little too narrow of a band to bet on because you have like 30 seconds in between pitches. But let's say that is an option in a year that you could bet on what the next pitch is going to be, right? Well, that's kind of a, subje- a subjective thing. Like unlike a final score or a scoring decision, you know, single or 5-3 ground out, right? A curveball is a little bit subjective. So whose data do you rely on? And that's how the gambling companies want to work with the leagues. They want to go to them and say, okay, we're going to use whatever data, whatever pitch tracking software you guys use in the stadiums. We want to license that data and create bets around it. So now you potentially actually could bet on whether he's going to throw a 12 to 6 curveball because you're using, you've licensed the data from MLB's pitch FX. And if it reaches a certain threshold, and in fact, it's considered a 12 to 6 curveball, then that bet can pay out. Those are the ways they know they need to work with the leagues, especially for that real-time data. How they don't want to work with the leagues is to have the states get involved and just arbitrarily decide to give the leagues 1% um, a 1% fee. Because that 1% fee is not based on revenue. It's based on every dollar bet. So it actually equates to something like 30% of revenue. The leagues want 1% of every dollar that is bet, whether it's won or lost, which is, again, absurdly high. So they understand they need to work with the leagues, but they don't want to do it. Um, you know, they don't want the states to just give away their money for them, which is understandable. And the leagues are having a very difficult time getting anyone to take them seriously. I think New York is going to be putting in provisions eventually um, that will give the leagues a little bit of a cut. But that is the only state that has even entertained those ideas. Um, so really, I mean, you know, so many moving parts. Like you talk about the state and the city thing, like what why this is kind of so confusing and I you know people are asking me on Twitter, I thought online wasn't coming, I thought this, I thought that. Like it's it's kind of each state's going to differ a little bit and you know, for instance in New Jersey, you need um uh, you need to be backed by a current licensed operator. So like DraftKings just can't come in and start offering betting. They had a partner with resorts. So you on a state by state level, you're going to see partnerships and you know affiliates and all of this stuff coming together and slightly different regulations and options in each state. Um, there will certainly start copying the leading states, but that's how it will be in the beginning. Wow. I mean, you know what? For anybody who's listened that didn't really know what this was going to look like, I think this has been pretty comprehensive. Any other big takeaways that you had from the conference? Um. So we talked about the leagues. Uh, we talked about mobile. A um, couple of anecdotes here. Um, okay. Do you have to go? Or are you in a hurry? No. Yeah, oh, do okay. Your thing. Well, I know. Yeah, that's right. You're uh, you're done working. Um, <sighs> yeah, you could you could sit here all day. I'm going for breakfast this morning. It's gonna be great. I hate you. Um, we mean you hate me. You work from home. I you work just as easily. Keyword just work. I don't go out home. for breakfast. 
I can't remember the last weekday I went out for breakfast. You just spent two days in Jersey eating at Gordon Ramsay Steakhouse and attending. Oh. Uh, and attending gambling analytics stuff. Like I don't don't talk to me about. Oh, woe is me! I can't go for breakfast. Get out. I was. I wish you could have seen me. All right, so a couple. Of, I wish you could have seen me huffing back and forth between Harris and the Borgata yesterday. <laughs> Did you know you can walk from those two places? It is not. I mean, I'd say they're about three quarters of a mile apart, maybe a mile apart. Um, maybe maybe three quarters as the crow flies. Uh, nowhere on a Kyle, map I've, or nowhere is it advertised that you can walk between them. But I asked I've the guards. I've only been to Atlantic City once. What's that? I've only ever been to Atlantic City once. Wow. So I have. I have I'm no not an AC of, guy, but wow. I have, I have no concept of where these things are. Do you okay. know why I went to Atlantic City? This is. This will be quick. Strip club. The only time. The only reason that I went was Nucky Thompson. No, uh, I was. I was raised on uh, the classics, and Tony Bennett was doing a concert at. I don't remember which one. The Showboat? No, probably not Showboat. I don't it's remember. Which probably one. the Showboat. I don't remember which casino it Trump's was. Trump's World's but, Fair. Excuse me. Um, but we, we went down to go see Tony Bennett. It was very early, I think in my wife and I dating, it was, uh, my parents. Wait, you weren't with like parents or something? Oh yeah. My parents. Oh yeah. Tony Bennett, come on. And the man is a a national treasure. And let me tell you, as, as somebody who has, uh, has been a, a musician and who is, you know, married to a musician, like, let me tell you their combo, the, the small band that he had playing behind him in that night was incredible. Problem with the concert was uh the opening act was like an hour and a half and it was his his daughter antonia bennett who was good but nobody's paying for antonia bennett i don't care if tony bennett at the time was like 88 that man sounds just as good as he did on the cds of like when he was 40 he's incredible he's kind of going off the deep end a little bit but okay don't ruin don't ruin the bennett that is that that anyway that was my extent of going to atlantic city so i don't know where any of these things are Okay, I, well, I would be a fish out of water. So how far away are Harris and the other one that you mentioned? All right, so anyone listening who's actually just been to Atlantic City for like basically any reason, there's two spots. The casinos are basically in two spots, either on the boardwalk or, and then there's a little cluster in the back. Uh, I Maybe they're not that close together, but the, the Revel is back there. The Borgata is back there. Harris, the Golden Nugget, the new Ocean Resort, and they're back by the bay. Um, and they're a couple miles away from the boardwalk one, so they're in their own little area. But they're, you know, like they're not like on like a strip. Like they're, you know, there's kind of separate exits to get to all of them. But Harris and the Borgata are relatively close. So I'm the opening of sports betting was yesterday at 11 at the Borgata. So the session I was in ended at like 1030. I was like, perfect. Let me see if I can get over there without having to take an Uber and like a one mile Uber, which, you know, they might not even want to do. So I asked security guard, he said, believe it or not, there's actually a walk around the back, around the bay. And there is, and it's paved, and it's got benches and lights. Like, it was shockingly nice. There are no signs for it, and the only way to access it is walking out the back of the casinos. Like, not the public-facing entrances. Walking through employee parking lots and, like, loading docks. Crossing a little street, and then you wind up on this walkway, which is totally, like, pedestrian-friendly. So I walked over on that. And once I'm in the Borgata, I go in. I'll, I'll talk about the place in the bet in a sec. Um, I go in, and when I'm I'm about to huff it back to Harris because the governor was going to speak, and I wanted to see that. Why are you and saying I'm like, huff? You mean hoof it? Huff hoof it. it back? No. Hoof? H- I'm not a horse. H o o f. Huff? No. Huff. Oh, like that? Yeah. Oh. Like panting. Yeah. 
Now, when you say I huff it back, I, I think of like back in middle school where people would like take X body spray and never mind. Sticking it in a bag. Yeah. No. So I'm, I'm in the Borgata and I am asking huffing, like three security guards. Back. I'm like, okay. how do I get to the walkway to back to Harris? No one knows this thing exists. I don't know if it's new. Apparently it was funded by like all the casinos back there. So you can do exactly what I was trying to do. But there's no like... There's, it's not like there's like a sign in the Borgata, hey, go back here to walk to whatever. It's like, I get why they want to pe- keep people in their casino, but this thing is built, it exists, and no one knows it exists. So someone's like, oh, yeah, you go out here, go out the parking lot, over by the guard booth. I'm like, this is insanity. Well, there's a legitimate path, and then there's a human-made path from foot traffic traffic that has you just walk through a swampy field <laughs> from Harris to the Borgata. And if you look at a map, it's just a swampy field where I have n- almost no doubt that people have had their knuckles broken, have had sexual encounters, and there are probably bodies buried. Like, I would almost bet on each of those three things happening in this field at some point, right? Um, yeah. And you can apparently walk it. So, this is like Boardwalk Empire? Come to life? Yeah. Well, uh, no. I mean, this is like like Swamp Empire. So I'm walking Is there I'm any lighting on back. that path? uh no on the back path yes it's a legitimate paved path like it looked relatively okay. new you still would not want to walk that at night because it's like i would not want to walk that at night jump in out of the swamp at you yeah, yeah i mean it, not that it's in like the town part but yeah i mean it it would be very eerie at night but this there's no i mean it was the middle of the day but this is just the middle of a field between the two casinos it's just a big field that's like swampy and buggy i mean it's it's almost a swamp so I'm like, oh, I'm on that path. So I start walking it, and there's a there's a footpath that people have kind of just walked out. It's like, you know, kind of dirt. So I get about halfway through, and it forks. <laughs> and, I mean, I feel like I'm in Wayne's World or something. Like, I'm standing in the middle of this thing. If you would turn around, like, I'm half a mile from the road, half a mile from both casino, half a mile from the bay, like, standing. Like, a GPS is the only way someone could find me if I was killed there. Um and I realized that it is somewhat flooded and muddy because, again, swamp, and it may have been high tide. So I'm walking from one to the other, sweating, by the way, because I have long sleeve shirt and jeans. It's 90 degrees. I'm walking as fast as I can. I have probably already been walking around for 45 minutes just trying to find my way back. Uh, and now I'm stuck in the middle of the path. So I had to go back to the Borgata, snake back through it, somehow eventually find the walkway back, huff it back, which is a 20-minute walk if you do it right the first time, um, finally made it back uh, to, to see the governor. So that was, um, it was a lot of walking. I, I logged like 17,000 steps yesterday. Um, but uh, so what, that wasn't even what I was going to tell you. Oh, so Bob and I, uh, we did go to Gordon Ramsay's new place in Harris, which just opened last week, which I was delighted to, did not know until we walked into it. Uh, Gordon Ramsay steak. Um, Abs- highly recommended meal. Absolutely, the American Wagyu, the eight ounce, sixty eight dollar eight ounce American Wagyu was breathtaking. Uh, so I would highly recommend that. But little we do know, Bob and I are sitting there, and we look to the left, and there are four guys with I don't know if it was casino jackets or band or crew jackets. They may have been crew jackets. They all had like the same sort of thing on. And I'm like, that looks like George Lopez. And Bob's like, Nah, I can't be George Lopez. And we're going back and forth, like trying to decide if it's just the guy or if it's George Lopez. And little, and and turns out we were dining uh, next to George Lopez, who was sitting at the bar at uh, at Gordon Ramsay. So that was our brush with celebrity uh, George Lopez. Are you? I feel like you're a George Lopez guy. 
Both because nope. you teach Spanish and because you like uh, family sitcoms. Nope. No? No, he was... I, I liked his sitcom. I thought his sitcom was good. I knew you um, would. No, I like. I, I thought that was that was back on ABC, right? Like that's probably like what seven, eight years ago. I thought it was funny. I, I'm not a big fan of his stand-up, but you know, I, I'm kind of like that with certain guys, right? Like some people stand up really connects, and some guys are better on shows. Like Kevin Hart, I think Kevin Hart in a lot of movies is fine. Um, I'm not as as big of a fan of his stand-up comedy. I like Chris Rock's stand-up better than I like some of his performances in movies. Um, I don't know. I know that that probably wasn't as as uh, exciting of an answer as as you would hope for, but it was not. Um, what I have yelled, my walk was not for, exciting either. So we're we're. One I mean, one. like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you see George Lopez, I you know you had said that you were going to fanboy and and try to go over and get a picture, which obviously did not work out. It might have been helpful to. Well, uh, he went to dine, and we were at, we were right by the door, and we were hoping that like we sat there for a while. Um, and I was a, I was a couple of, uh, I was a couple of whiskey drinks in where I definitely would have asked George Lopez to come take a picture, like no doubt about it. Uh, I, I was, you know, I think we were ready to throw odds on whether he was going to blow us off or not. Um, sort of the mind frame we were in, but we, we, we couldn't wait him out. I couldn't in good conscience sit, uh, at a table at nine thirty at night, much longer waiting on keep drinking bourbon and eating amazing steak by the yeah. way so you brought up wagyu beef and we talked about this yesterday on the phone but um for those wagyu, who don't know, wagyu 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 either's fine okay so uh it's always funny to me when people go to a steakhouse and they don't really know what they're ordering when they don't know the kind of cut of meat and it's the same thing if you if you like don't really cook all that much and you're a guy and you like to grill and that's like the one time a year where you feel confident enough that you're not going to screw it up and people go out and, and they buy like slow these, cook a filet and like yeah like people go out and they buy these ridiculous cuts of meat thinking that like they can just throw anything on a grill or they have any idea what they're doing and they don't so um wagyu beef right wagyu beef is essentially the american equivalent of kobe beef which is from japan and it's not meant to be eaten in massive quantities but i guarantee anybody who's ever looked to buy steaks uh like uh, well this is going to sound weird but if you've ever like looked at ordering your steaks online to like get it directly from the farmer or whatever. Um, if you find Wagyu beef, you theoretically could find a cut that can get into like the double digit ounces. Um, I've heard of people buying like 18 ounce Wagyu beef um, cuts, which doesn't make any sense to cook. Um, you're supposed to treat it just like the Japanese treat Kobe beef, which is uh, sashimi. And it's supposed to be kind of enjoyed as, you know, in small quantities, sliced very thin. You can use that in... Uh, a variety of dishes, but Wagyu beef is not meant to be eaten as a large chunk of meat. So like eight ounces is fine. If you go to a restaurant and you see, you know, uh, like a 15 ounce or an 18 ounce Wagyu beef, um, you just don't get that. It's marbled. It's got a very high fat content, which is delicious. But by the time you get done, you're going to just have this like food bomb sitting in your stomach. You're going to have a food baby. And then later when you uh, go to use the, uh, the men's room, it is not going to be pleasant. So um, always be careful. Make sure that if, if you're going to try a cut of meat you've never had before, um, obviously Gordon Ramsay's Steakhouse is going to know how to cook it and how it should be done. So they did a good job. But if you're going to like a new steakhouse, uh, kind of know what you're looking to uh, to get and, and see if they have any idea what they're doing. Because uh, quite often you can find people that, that don't and uh, you're not going to have a very exciting experience. So wow. anyway. 
Yeah, no, and, and I'm glad I'm I'm glad that we did, you know did do it correctly and didn't order a 20 24 ounce uh, wagyu because I I probably wouldn't. That be wasn't here on today. the menu though, was it? No, 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 no. They no. I mean, so they had the dry aged steaks, and then we asked the waitress uh, this this very I would say intimidating Russian woman. Um, How do you know she was Russian? I, I don't know accent. I I could just so she was really she was really quick. She was like, Russian around like ah. r- Russian mis- ah, ah. Yeah, no, we were scared of her. Um, but we, we asked, uh, you know, that's what she recommended. She said that, you know, these are really good. And she explained that it's sort of like the American version of Kobe and all that. It had a marbling score of nine, at least nine. I don't know what that means, yep. but it, it sounded good. Um, so I would highly recommend that. Of course, there's always the Beef Wellington, which I had gotten at Ramsey's other place, um, uh, which that's was also I good. I was a little full the time I had it, so I, I didn't get to really experience the joy. I loaded up on appetizers. Um so we did not the other night. I would highly recommend the Gordon Ramsay, and I would highly recommend the American Wagyu or whatever it is. If you're going for maybe sides, the truffle like, frites and the truffle mac and cheese were like up. We were like licking it. Um, the frites, not together, but you know. Separate. Uh, the frites is that you mean the fr- the fries? Yeah, but they they weren't. Um, they were like like potato wedges type fries. Yeah, yeah. but really good. I, I'm not yeah, a fan. I usually just want to fry. like but... the Germans do. Yeah, yeah. But free test is yeah. a free test. They were calling them. No, like... it's well, they, they shouldn't. I mean, so um, pommes frites is French, right? Yeah, so it wasn't frites. the pommes frites. No. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's the play they're going off though. Um, okay. The Germans would call it frites. So yeah, maybe uh, like fr- yeah, like so, the span. Yeah. It doesn't exist in Spanish. When you, you look at the menu, days. it's very clearly fries. But the, you get the okay. potato wedge. But but they but were that's good. Excellently done. Um, good drinks there. I guess to put a bow on the whole. On the whole thing, maybe should have started with this. So when is, you know, when and where is all this stuff coming? Obviously, let's go with the three states in in our uh, listening audience here. Um, Delaware, it's legal in person at those three casinos. I forget the names of them. Uh, Dover, Dover Park. It doesn't matter. You get the point. Um, There is no written regulation right now for online in Delaware. It is presumed to be coming. New Jersey. This is straight from the chief regulator. Uh, it is legal in person right now at Monmouth Park in Borgata with several other locations to follow very soon. Uh, there is a 30-day window for the online approval process, and they expect within 30 days, now I guess 29 days, that online betting will be available in New Jersey. Not only do they expect it, like they're pushing for this. The regulator was om- was um, almost shaming the companies that weren't prepared for this because they knew they were going to win this case back in December when it went to the Supreme Court. And they said they got back from the Supreme Court, and in early January, he called all the casino operators and said, get your sports books ready because it's coming. And he was, I think, a little bit full of himself as he was explaining it this way. But he said, I told them, get ready, and some of them are ready, and some are not. And um, regardless, online betting is coming within 30 days to New Jersey, which specific apps and casinos, and that's where this gets a little hairy. There are companies like 888-BET that are, are, I guess, working with certain casinos to launch an app. DraftKings is working with like resorts. So William Hill is working with Monmouth Park. So like, well, the, the app, I guess, will be a William Hill app, but the bet will be processed by resorts. I'm, I'm still a little fuzzy on that. And I think a lot of people are. But there will be online betting in New Jersey, and they expect many more of those online things to come online by football season. So you will have that in New Jersey, certainly by football season, if not much sooner. In Pennsylvania, the tax rates are ridiculous. 
that said, you know, don't believe the news stories. Oh, it's not coming. The tax rates are prohibitively high. They are. But this, this, these will be issues that are worked through. The chief regulator from PA was there. She's all in on gambling, all in on sports gambling. Um, they expect in PA for casino-based sports books to be there by football season. And it sounds wow. a little aggressive, but um, I saw the parks guys there. So Pete Shiraki, Chickies and Pete's, he was there on Wednesday. Um, uh, one, of, one of their ad guys who we've worked with before was there. He also works with parks. It dawned on me as I saw them that there is a Chickies and Pete's in parks. Um, so you can kind of see where that might be going. I have no inside in, intel there, but um, I, I, you know, I talked to one of them, and they're there for Parks. Parks is definitely interested in this. They don't, it, they don't need to do it, however. Like slot, they would rather add more slot machines than a sports book. They're more profitable, uh, and that is one thing that came out of this. The term "coin in rate" is not something. Uh, it just feels gross, and it's something the casino industry talks about. How many times can someone put a coin into a slot machine over the course of a minute to milk money out of them? They designed the slot machines <laughs> to have a high coin in rate, um, just in case you you needed to feel icky. Um, but it, it's it could be coming to parks. There will be casino based sports books in PA by football season. At least that's the goal, according to the regulator. Online, a little bit after that, um, it sounds like it could be as late as the end of the year, but probably within six months, online sports betting come at legal uh, coming to Pennsylvania. Um, they are very actively and aggressively working on these things, both from the business standpoint and from the regulators. You know, want to see it happen too. They just want it done right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it should be really interesting. Other states to follow. Uh, you know, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, I think are, are in the one to two year range. Uh, West Virginia, Mississippi are probably the next two after PA. Um, Mississippi, it doesn't sound like we'll have online betting. No one really cares about that. West Virginia, Kevin cares about. So um, there's that. So they expect, um, you know, within the next six months, certainly PA, potentially like it may be a Connecticut or whatever, uh, West Virginia, Mississippi, uh, and then everything else like New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, probably like one to two years, within one to two years. So uh, it's coming heavily in the Northeast. Uh, but get ready. By football season, you could bet in PA in person, online in Jersey. There might be, um, it sounds like there's going to be sharing like between New Jersey and PA where you can bet um, from a New Jersey casino in PA once it's legal in PA. Like they're working through all those things, but they're aware that it would be good for everybody if they could. Um, like kind of knock down borders for the states that are legal. I guess Delaware and Nevada have been doing this and New Jersey with online poker, it sounds like. So, um, you know, things will open up. It'll be a little confusing, but it's coming. And Philly, believe it or not, is going to be like the the chief market for all of this because we're, you know, positioned right in the middle of those three states. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Fun. All right, cool. Um, really quick before we go, uh, we have a five-star review. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, five-star review. Uh, don't forget, we love five-star reviews. We'll uh, we'll read them on the show. Um, this one was from Not Kyle's Fifth Burner Account. Five stars. It's good. I like Philly sports. I like podcasts. Kyle Scott is a handsome man with normal-sized collars. Nice. We'll take it. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, So So um, right now, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're at 351 five-star ratings. Um that was the first five-star review we've gotten in a while. By the way, that ECVD person who constantly changes their uh, review has uh, upped it back to a four-star review. Um, so that's exciting. Once we get to 400 five-star reviews, we'll do some kind of giveaway. 
Uh, I didn't talk to Kyle about that ahead of time, but we'll do it. So get up to, uh, we need to get 400 five-star ratings. We're 49 away. So get on to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever and do that. Don't forget to go check out the other shows on the on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast with Bob Wankel and Anthony Sanfilippo. Snow the Goalie with uh, me and Anthony Sanfilippo. Again, we had the uh, exclusive interview with Ron Hextall and all the uh, kind of reaction to it. Uh, Crossing Broad FC, where we released the World Cup preview show. We'll be doing that show a little bit more regularly as micropods uh, after each match day. So that'll be every few days. And it's always soccer in Philadelphia with Kevin Kincaid and Dave Zeitlin, which I don't think is going to have a new episode for a little bit because Kevin is out of the country. So good for him. Um, by the Kevin way, standing have... at the podium, Arsenal uh, media podium on Instagram. Saying yesterday. winger out. Yeah, it was awesome. He is uh, having his, he is having a day. He's living his best life. Um, by the way, since we talked about sports gambling and the World Cup, let me just say really quick. Um, here's a here's the thing for today. So Spain is a plus 110 favorite over Portugal. Portuguese have been installed as a uh, 280 underdog. My guess, if I were going to put money on this game, is that Portugal is able to uh, pull out a draw. So I don't know exactly how the betting for that would go, but I would go for a draw in this match. Spain just fired their manager uh, two days before the start of the World Cup, which I think is going to still kind of affect them a little bit. And Cristiano Ronaldo is a beautiful man who's fantastic at the sport. So uh, a nice draw today will likely work out. Anyway... Uh, This has been Crossing Broadcast. We'll be back next week with a new show uh, or two or three. So that'll be fun. Um, Bye.